Section 14 of Marvels of Scientific Invention. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Marvels of Scientific Invention by Thomas W. Corbin how pictures can be sent by wire the sending of a message by telegraph is easily understandable various combinations of two simple signs such as short sounds and long sounds can readily be made to indicate letters by which the words can be spelt out nor does the sending of sound over a wire make a very good demand upon the credulity we all know that sound consists of innumerable little waves in the air and by the simplest of devices these can be converted into variations in an electric current which variations by means equally simple can be made to reconvert themselves back into sound waves at the other end but to transmit a picture is another matter altogether it seems barely possible in the case of a drawing such as a pen and ink sketch which consists of a comparatively small number of definite lines but with a shaded sketch or a photograph with its graduations of light and shadow to transmit such would seem to be beyond the bounds of possibility did we not know that it had been done the description of the methods will therefore constitute a not uninteresting subject for a chapter it is worthy of remark that an attempt along these lines was made many years ago by a man named Castley, and a description of this pioneer apparatus will form a good introduction to the later developments in figure thirteen we see a square which represents a sheet of tinfoil upon which is drawn in non-conductive ink a simple geometrical figure the ink may be grease or shellac varnish indeed there are many substances which are available to use as an insulating ink across the square there are a number of parallel dotted lines but these it must be understood are not actually drawn upon the foil their purpose will be apparent in a moment suppose that we connect the foil to one pole of a battery and the other pole by a flexible wire to a metal pen or stylus if we place the point of the pen in contact with the foil we make a complete circuit through which of course current will flow but if with it we touch one of the non-conductive lines there will be no current taking a ruler then let us draw the point of the stylus across the foil in a series of parallel straight lines it is these excursions of the stylus which the dotted lines are intended to represent for nearly the whole of the time current will be flowing but whenever the stylus is crossing one of the lines of non-conductive ink there will be a momentary cessation thus the reader will begin to perceive we obtain 
what we may call an electrical representation of the figure drawn upon the foil and now let us turn to figure fourteen there too is a square but in this case it is not foil but paper which has been soaked in prusit of potash the reason for introducing this chemical is that it is susceptible to electrical action wherever current passes through it it becomes changed into pursuant blue so that if we place the point of the pen upon the paper and cause current to flow out of that point through the paper there we get a blue dot if while the current is flowing we draw the pen along we get a blue line figure thirteen therefore represents in principle the sending apparatus of castley's writing telegraph while figure fourteen represents the receiving instrument the two pens are connected together by the main wire in such a manner that when the point of the one is in contact with the bare foil current flows out of the other and into the paper but as the former crosses an ink line all current ceases if then while the sending pen is drawn line by line across the foil the other is drawn at the same speed line by line across the chemically prepared paper we shall get on the latter a series of lines as shown in figure fourteen almost continuous but broken here and there each breakage represents a passage of the sending pen across a line and taken together as will be seen they constitute a reproduction of the geometrical figure drawn upon the foil as shown the lines are rather far apart and so the reproduction is not a very good one they are only drawn so however in order that the principle may be shown the more clearly they may be drawn so that they overlap and then the effect is much better the received picture being almost an exact reproduction of the other it will be noticed that an essential to the success of this method is that the two pens should move in perfect unison and that was the great difficulty castley used an arrangement of pendulums the best thing available at the time the reproduction is in photographic language a negative a somewhat unsatisfactory feature of the method a simple modification however of the electrical connections will reverse that so that the reproduction shall be a positive there are two ways of cutting off a current from any particular circuit one is to interpose a resistance through which current cannot pass in an appreciable quantity and the other is to provide a second path for the current so much easier than the first that practically all the current will pass that way leaving the first circuit to all intents and purposes free it is as if a farmer wished to stop people passing across a certain field two methods would open to him one to put up a high gate over which no one would dare to climb and the other to provide a shortcut so much more pleasant and convenient 
than the old path that no one having the choice of the two ways would think of going the old way what the farmer would call a short cut the electrician calls a short circuit and a short circuit is often a more convenient way of cutting off a current than a switch which interposes resistance at all events in a case like this a short circuit enables that to be accomplished which would be very difficult by any other means in the apparatus as already described the battery had to drive the current along a long wire terminating at the distant receiving instrument whence the current returned via the earth the foil and pen acting as a kind of electrical tap controlled this when foil and pen touched the tap was open and current flowed when the line of non-conductive ink interposed itself the tap was off and the flow ceased but connect the battery directly to the wire and place the foil and pen in a short branch circuit and the whole thing is reversed then the opening of the tap sent current to the other end now the opening of the tap causes it to flow round the short branch and leave the main wire then the closing of the tap stops the current reaching the farther end now it causes it to do so in fact the entire action of the apparatus is completely reversed and the bare parts of the foil become represented by blank paper while insulating lines produce the marks in short a positive results instead of a negative such was the scheme of Castley years ago it is mentioned here at some length since the principle of it largely reused in an improved form in the most successful of modern apparatus for a like purpose it undoubtedly was a very excellent scheme simple and effective which ought to have succeeded but it did not do so for the sufficient reason that at the time knowledge of electricity and skill in constructing delicate mechanism were not so highly developed as they are to-day for success as has already been said one thing was essential and that thing very difficult to obtain a perfect synchronism between one stylus and the other if the one were but the slightest degree out of step with the other failure followed inevitably so the electrical transmission of sketches dropped for the time being more recently a perfect successful solution of the problem has come in another way altogether this apparatus at first called the teleautograph but now known as the telewriter it will be more convenient to refer to later of modern systems for the transmission of pictures the most successful probably are the corn teleautograph and the thorn baker telectograph both of these are able to transmit very fair reproductions of photographs besides line drawings the difficulty with photographs is of course that many parts of them are not of equal blackness or whiteness but shade off gradually from one into the other take the case of a simple portrait part of the subject's face will be pure white while the side in shadow will be comparatively dark 
there is not hard and fast line between the two but a graduation through an infinite number of shades the one tones into the other how can it be possible to convey that more or less mechanically over a wire the solution is due to the fact that the eye will blend together a number of distinctly different shades if properly arranged into a gradual change really the change is step by step but the effect is apparent quite continuous this can be seen in the half-tone illustrations in this book close examination will show that a picture is cut up into small squares in the pure white part of the squares are invisible while in the perfectly black parts if there be any they are so merged into one another as to be inseparable but everywhere else in the picture it will be seen there are squares each with a dot in the middle in the darker parts the dots are large in the lighter ones they are small we get the effect almost of color although the picture is done entirely in black ink the eye does not see the individual dots when we are just looking at the picture we have to examine it very closely to find them yet they are there all the time and it is simply the peculiar action of the eye which sees beautiful half-tones shading imperceptibly one into another whereas in real fact there are only a vast number of equidistant dots all equally black we see therefore that it is possible to split up a picture of any kind into a number of small squares and to treat each square as being of equal darkness throughout then if we can communicate by wire that particular degree of darkness to a distant station where the small parts can be put together in their proper order and given their correct shade the picture as constructed at the receiving end will be something like that at the sending end and we have only to make the size of each separate square small enough to obtain copy which will resemble the original very closely indeed in the early days it was actually proposed to telegraph pictures by ordinary telegraphy using this principle the suggestion was agreed upon a code of twenty-six shades called by a letter of the alphabet one shade was to be a the next b and so on then the picture was to be divided up into squares and that particular shade of each square telegraphed by means of the corresponding letter the shades thus communicated were to be put together at the receiving end on a prearranged system and so the picture was to be built up given plenty of time that scheme might be moderately successful but to get a really good reproduction the subdivision needs to be so minute and the number of squares therefore so immense that it would be quicker to send the picture by train than to telegraph it by such laborious means in a fairly coarse half-tone block the squares are say twenty five hundred to the square inch that number of letters would therefore have to be telegraphed for every square inch of picture transmitted to say nothing of the difficulty of building up 
a picture of such great number of parts and giving to each the desired shade. That idea, abortive though it is in its crude form, illustrates very clearly the fundamental principle on which this work is done. The problem is really to devise a machine which will do the same thing rapidly and automatically divide up the original into a large number of squares, and then send an electric current to represent each square, such current by its strength to indicate the shade of the square, and finally a similar instrument is needed to act as receiver, and to reproduce those squares in the proper order, giving to each its correct shade. In practicality all of them the mechanism is rotary, the original being placed upon a drum which turns round under a stylus, or its equivalent, while the stylus gradually travels along from end to end after the manner of the needle of a phonograph, or else the same result being achieved by the drum itself having an endwise movement as well as a rotative one. The receiving instrument is of similar form and both must start together, move at the same speed, and indeed preserve a perfect correspondence with each other. If the distance be great between the two, there might be difficulties due to the retardation of the currents passing between them. Electricity does not pass through long wires, particularly if they be under the sea with anything like the quickness which we are adapt to think. Over a short line and under favorable circumstances, the receipt of a telegraph signal at the farther end is practically instantaneous. But on long lines and under certain conditions, that is far from being the case. Then something has to be done to quicken the action of the current or else the receiving drum must be made to lag behind the sending drum by the requisite amount. In some cases, too, the transmitting apparatus loses a little time in sending off the currents, and that, too, has to be allowed for, so that, all things considered, the reader will see that the successful solution of the problem is hedged about with many subtle difficulties which are probably only appreciated by those who are well acquainted by sad experience with the little vagarities of both electricity and mechanical devices. Neither of them does quite what we want it to do. Each suffers from little faults, which in the case of a delicate problem like this where a difference of a hundredth of a second would be fatal to success, introduced difficulties almost insuperable. To transmit line drawings, Professor Korn uses a sending instrument very like that of Castley. The picture is placed, either by hand or photographically, upon a sheet of copper foil, which is fixed round the rotating cylinder the lines being formed of non-conducting material, the foil being electrified and the stylus connected to the line or main wire, currents pass to the farther end just as in the old apparatus. At the receiving end the drum is covered with photographic paper and enclosed in a light-tight box. 
through a hole in this box a fine pencil of light passes from a lamp suitable lenses being used to ensure that the pencil shall have as it were a very fine point producing a very small spot of light upon the paper if the light remains quite steady the drum meanwhile rotating a line will be drawn by it upon the paper which will be visible when the latter is developed since the drum not only turns upon its axis but also moves endwise one hundredth of an inch at every revolution this line will be a spiral the turns of which will be one hundredth of an inch apart thus the paper will be blacked practically uniformly all over should the intensity of the light vary however the line at times will be lighter than at others well should it be cut off altogether for a moment then there will be a corresponding gap in the line and it is easy to see that if these lighter parts or gaps occur in the correct places they will form a picture in other words by controlling that light we can build up a picture upon the paper the question is how to control it professor korn uses a form of the Eithenthoven galvometer already described instead of the silvered fiber generally employed in this instrument a silver wire is fitted the movement of which partly or entirely cuts off the pencil of light the corn transmitter for photographs is quite different although the receiver is practically the same as what has just been described the basis of it is a peculiar power possessed by the metal selenium when in a certain state this like all metals is a conductor of electricity but of course offers resistance in some degree now the special feature of selenium is that its resistance is reduced if light shine upon it suppose then that current be flowing through a mass of selenium and that the latter be suddenly illuminated brightly the resistance will at once fall and the current increase on the other hand should the light falling upon the selenium diminish its resistance will increase and the current flowing through it will decrease in short given a suitable arrangement the current flowing in a circuit of which a selenium cell forms a part will increase or decrease with the increase or decrease in the light falling upon the cell a while ago the papers were telling striking stories of a way by which blind people so it was said were to be recompensed for the loss of their sight a new sense as it were was to be given them by which they could hear light even if they could not see it all this had reference to this curious property of selenium as being of course an undoubted fact that it will vary an electric current in accordance with the variations in the light and if that current be led through a telephone receiver a man by holding that to his ear could in a sense hear the variations in the light in the corn transmitter for photographs selenium is employed as follows a transparent photograph is made 
on a celluloid or gelatine film, and this is fixed upon a glass cylinder mounted as already described. A pencil of light falls upon this in much the same way as in the case of the receiver just described, and as the cylinder resolves, describes a fine spiral line all round and round it. Moreover, the light passes right through the photograph and falls upon a mirror inside, of which it is reflected on to a selenium cell. At every moment, then, the light is falling upon some small part of the photograph, and the amount of it which gets through and ultimately reaches the selenium depends upon the density of that part. Current meanwhile is flowing from a battery through the selenium and thence over the main wire to the distant station as the light pencil traces its spiral path over the rolled-up photograph every variation in the density of the picture is reproduced as a variation in the current through the selenium this at the remote end operates the eisenhoven galvometer the movements of which vary the shade of the spiral line being drawn upon the photographic paper. This process takes place with remarkable celerity, so that in a few minutes the innumerable variations constituting a complete photograph can be transmitted and faithfully recorded at the distant end of the wire. But perhaps the most successful of these methods is that known as the telelectrograph. It is surprisingly like the scheme of a Castley in principle, and forms another example of the fact that good ideas often fail through lack of a proper means to carry them out. Mr. Thorne Baker, the inventor of the telectrograph, has had at his disposal accumulated stores of knowledge and skill which did not exist in Castley's time. Consequently, the former has made a brilliant success, where his predecessor produced only an interesting but somewhat ineffective attempt. Reference has been made already to the half-ton blocks wherein a host of small dots of varying sizes make up a picture. Now, instead of parallel rows of dots, parallel lines of varying thicknesses will give very much the same result. The former are made by photographing the picture through a sheet of glass ruled with two sets of lines at right angles to each other. The latter can be made by using a screen with lines one way only instead of two ways. It is therefore quite easy for a block maker to produce a process block wherein lines are used instead of dots. For this particular purpose, however, it is not an ordinary block that is needed, although it is in essentials very similar. The picture to be transmitted is photographed through a screen as if a half-tone block were to be made. The negative so obtained is then printed by the gum process onto a sheet of soft lead, and after washing the picture remains upon the lead in the form of lines of insoluble gum on a background of bare lead. A squeeze in a press drives the gum into the lead and so gives the whole sheet a smooth surface 
over which a stylus will ride easily, but which is, nevertheless, made up of conductive parts and non-conductive parts, the latter forming the picture. The lead sheet is then put upon a revolving cylinder and turned under a moving stylus in the manner with which we are now familiar. The sheet is placed with the lines lengthwise of the cylinder so that the current passes to the stylus, except as it passes over the breadth of the lines, and so similar lines are built up at the distant ends. The receiving mechanism is of the electrochemical type which Castley used. The current passes from the receiving stylus to the paper, and there makes its mark in a way that will be understood from the description of the earlier apparatus. The supreme advantage of this method of working over that of Professor Korn is that the operator can see what he is doing. To obtain good results, a number of electrical adjustments have to be made, and whether he has got them right or wrong can be seen as soon as the picture begins to grow upon the receiving paper. If a little readjustment be needed, the operator sees it and can set things right before the really important part of the picture begins to appear, whereas the corn apparatus he does not know what is happening at all, since he can see nothing until the picture is finished and the photographic paper has been developed. It will be apparent, too, to anyone who has carefully considered the wireless telegraphy chapters that it ought to be possible to make the sending stylus, or its equivalent, control a wireless transmitter and a wireless receiver to operate the receiving stylus, so as to be able to send pictures by wireless. Experiments to this end have been made with some measures of success, and sooner or later we are almost sure to hear the difficulties, which are by no means small, have been overcome. But we cannot conclude this chapter without a fuller reference to that marvelous invention, the telewriter. In this a man makes a sketch with a pen on a piece of paper, or maybe he writes a message and simultaneously a pen, hundreds of miles away if need be, does precisely the same thing. The receiving instrument draws the sketch line by line, or it transcribes the message in an actual handwriting of the sender. A little touch, almost weird in its naturalness, is that every now and then the receiving pen leaves the paper and dips itself into a bottle of ink, after which it resumes its work at the very spot where it left off. Now how the complicated lines and curves, the strokes and dots which make up a written language, even the little shakes and deficits which give each man's writing a personality of its own, how all these can be sent over a wire is at first sight very difficult to understand. The inventor of this apparatus has discovered an extremely simple way of doing it but even he does not attempt to do it with one wire. It should be said, for he uses two. This is no drawback when, as is often the case, it is used in conjunction with the telephone. For the latter, to be effective, 
also requires two wires. Years ago, single wires were employed for telephones as for telegraphs, the circuit being completed through the earth. But the difficulty arose that every wire through which currents flow is apt to induce currents in neighboring wires. The induction coil is based upon that fact, and so messages in one wire were overheard on others, or, what was perhaps more annoying still, the dots and dashes passing in a telegraph wire would produce loud noises in a telephone wire that happened to be near. The use of two wires, however, entirely removes that trouble, for the neighboring current then induces two currents instead of one, one in each, and it so happens that these are opposed to each other, so that they neutralize each other. So every telephone wire now is double, and therefore is ready, as it were, to have the telewriter fitted to it. But even with two wires the difficulty seems insuperable until we remember that most complex of curves can be resolved in two simple movements. The sending pen, with the original writing or drawing is done, is attached to the junction of two light rods. The farther end of each rod is attached to the end of a light crank, fixed so that it can rotate or osculate after the manner of cranks, in the plane of the desk upon which the paper lies. All the joints mentioned are of the hinged nature, so that as the pen is moved about, the rods turn, more or less, one way or the other, the two cranks. This simple mechanism, it will be observed, carries out very effectively the principle just mentioned, for it resolves the motion of the pen no matter how complicated it may be, into a simple rotating motion of the two cranks. So the cranks turn this way or that, as the draftsman makes his picture, and it is very easy to arrange that their movement shall vary the strength of two electric currents, whereby we obtain electric currents varying in accordance with the movement of the cranks. This is done by making each crank operate a variable resistance or rheostat. When in its extreme position on one side, the crank permits current to flow freely, but as it moves over to the other extreme position, the resistance in the path of the current is increased. Such an arrangement is a common feature in its electrical apparatus so current from a battery flows to the two wires leading to the distant station, each passing through the rheostat connected to one of the cranks. We may think of the rheostats as taps which can be turned on or off by the actions of the cranks. Let us imagine that crank A is in the position when the current flows freely, when the electrical tap is fully open then a strong current will flow along wire A, returning to the sending battery via the earth. As that crank is moved, the current will gradually be reduced until, if moved right over to the other extreme, the current will be at its feeblest. Arriving at the other end, this current passes to a device which we may describe simply as a magnet so arranged that its action pulls round 
a crank against the restraining action of a spring. Now the stronger the current, the more does the magnet pull, and the farther does the receiving crank turn. The sending crank varies the resistance. The resistance varies the current. The current varies the strength of the receiving magnet, and the magnet varies the position of the receiving crank. Properly adjusted, then, the motion of the crank at the one end is communicated through that long chain of causes and effects, until at last it is repeated exactly by the movement of the crank at the other end. This same thing occurs simultaneously over each of the two wires, crank A at the sending end communicating over wire A to crank A at the other end, while crank B communicates its motion over wire B to the other crank B. Each sending crank is closely imitated in its every action by the corresponding one at the distant station. The two receiving cranks are connected by light rods to the receiving pen in precisely the same way that the sending pen is connected. Consequently, not only are the separate movements of the two cranks repeated at the remote station, but the complex movements of the sending pen, which gave rise to the action of the cranks, are also conveyed to and repeated by the recording pen. The movements of the first pen are resolved into rotating motions by the two cranks. These are transferred to the other cranks, and their movements are in turn converted back into the written curves. Thus, as the pen in the artist's hand draws his sketch, so does the automatic hand at the other place. It may be at a great distance, repeat faithfully his work and the sketch grows line by line simultaneously at both ends. There is no space here to detail how, by another current superposed upon those referred to already, the receiving pen is made to dip itself periodically into the inkwell at the will of the sender. By a cunning use of alternating current this is done without any way interfering with the action of the cranks as described above. But of course there is severe limitation to the usefulness of this machine, inasmuch as the drawing has been made at the time of transmission, and it can only be put on a wire by the hand of the artist himself. End of section 14 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.